You're a fucking liberal piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome, one and all. Thank you for joining us for this 306th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting directly and itchily across from me, or is it scratchily, the lovely Brittany Page. Um, so that should probably be explained. You're you're very you're scratching, you're itching over there. Um, I'm scratching my itch. Yes. Yeah, you are. So here's real deep. Here's what's happening. (laughs) A couple months ago. No, I guess this was almost a year ago. Was it almost a year? I when we went to Seattle. Yeah. And we stayed in an Airbnb. Yes. I used some sort of neon neon blue soap. Yeah. Some sort of weird shower (laughs) gel. And I, I used it to shave my legs and after that, I well, got... Well, you used a razor to shave your legs, you... Well, I used the razor and the I'm gel. I'm just being a dick. Okay. So, after that, I <laughs> had what I w- was referring to as diseased legs. I got this rash all over my legs, and it was disgusting, and I, I was very itchy. And it lasted for quite a while, and I, I went to the doctor as it was getting better, and we started together trying to narrow down what could cause it. Because she said it was for sure some sort of allergic reaction. Yeah. And we narrowed it down to that shower gel. That was the only weird thing that I had used. That you remember using. That I remembered using. Now, flash forward to my graduation. We had people come stay with us. And so I was cleaning out... The morning of the graduation. Yes, I was cleaning out the bathroom and I found... The other bathroom. Yeah, I found out the... I found this... By the way, A plus on the storytelling. (laughs) Goddamn. Okay. Why don't you tell the rest of it then? Well, some of these details aren't necessary. You found this lotion when you were clearing one of the bathrooms for for them to stay in. You mean mean the number of bathrooms was super important? Like you interjected that in there? You're not... Okay. Well, if it's not... If if that level of it's not necessary, then the entire part of it's not necessary. No, it is necessary because I found this lotion that was literally covered in dust because I haven't used it since we were in Seattle. You bought it in Seattle. Yeah. So who's the dick now? Still you, but... Okay, so it's this organic yeah, peppermint well, let lotion. It. Let me oh, explain. Okay, yeah, you take the reins. That's what I do. <laughs> so, if you may have seen this type of lotion, it just, it's got a bunch of text on it. Like, little words. It's like Dr. Bronner's or well, something. Well, I don't want to name the name. Oh. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got it wrong anyway, right? I for sure didn't say it correctly. All right, whatever it is. Just beep it. You, you may have seen, I'm not going, that's an effort. I'm not doing that. Okay. So you may have seen, it's got a bunch of text on it. It looks like somebody made it in there. It, it's meant to look a little bit home style. Yeah. And it's organic. Yeah. And so Brittany slathered this on in preparation for getting ready for graduation that morning. And a couple days later. Now I have it on my arms and legs. And legs. And so now I believe... It is that lotion that I'm allergic to. Yeah, which you threw away. Because I used it in Seattle, but I forgot about it because 
it was just lotion. And the only thing like a CVS or something. Yeah, the only thing that was weird that stood out for me was that neon blue shower gel. Yeah. Just some lotion. Well, the neon, the weird neon blue shower gel. I think we we landed on that because I was suspect of it so much so that I didn't use it. Yeah, it was like glittery. Yeah, it was, I, I, was, I don't know. It about was that. not a good situation. And for the person who's paranoid as shit about everything, you just you dove head first. Well, it was in a Neutrogena bottle, and it said oh, right, shower gel. Right. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is the Neutrogena shower gel. I don't no. know. And then I saw it at Costco, and it's supposed to be yellow. <laughs> The Neutrogena. So, yeah, so they just put in <laughs> some sort of gel right. into the the Costco bottle. Anyway, now I have diseased arms and legs. So Brittany is itchy. Real, real itchy. Another allergic reaction for me. Uh, who knew I had such terrible, sensitive skin? I can't even use organic peppermint lotion. I need the chemical lotion. So we're back, everybody. A little bit of a delay. I need to come up with a better storage solution for going forward. Or I just need to clear out everything on my on my one terabyte laptop because mm-hmm. it's a bummer. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We are back after a two-day delay on the show. And let's get into some of the news. Once again, we have a situation where too many things happened. You know, between Jeff Sessions coming out. Now we'll get into all that during Dollamocracy. But first, let's get to a voicemail from Jonathan in the United Kingdom. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's uh, Jonathan from the UK here. Um, Well, I suppose by now most people have heard about the uh, bombing that happened in Manchester uh, yesterday. And, well, this time reports are still coming in, but unfortunately we've got 22 people uh, killed and about, I think, about 56 fatalities. Sorry, 56 injured. And it's... uh, I think the best way I can express myself is to say what I said before in relation to the London attack still stands, and indeed more so. Given that, you may not read, but there were such extraordinary acts of kindness and generosity in community after this. There were taxi drivers taking people home for free. People opened up their homes with uh, to look after people. One woman, I think who deserves special acclaim, gathered up 50 children who were looking lost after the concert and took them straight to a hotel to watch them until their parents could find them. There was so much good seen in this, seen in this city after this event. Having said that, of course, the usual has happened and you have people saying, again, truly horrific and awful things about um, already is considered a Muslim attack, therefore therefore we must blame all Muslims. I think I should especially mention, um, I know you guys are familiar with the Daily Mail, I've heard you refer to it before, you probably know one of their columnists on there, Katie Hopkins, who was called, who has actually caught using the term, we need a final solution to these problems. I mean, she's deleted it and claimed she didn't mean anything by it, but uh, come on. Come on. The fact is, with these things, anger and hatred are fully understandable. They are. As a father myself, I, I cannot imagine 
what it must be like losing a child this way. I, I honestly cannot. And it is so, so easy, I understand that, to become angry, to become hateful, to want the people who hurt you to suffer. I, that, is an, that is an emotion I understand all too well. The problem is, though, that you... It doesn't work. Hatred, this anger... As you mentioned the last time, I think, Jesse, you risk catching up so many innocent people in this as well. And it doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop. It just perpetuates the cycle. What you need to do is to find a way to link to the community and stop radicalization. That is the ultimate problem here, if this is the case. And also, to those who say Muslim ban, I would again point out it's extremely likely, as has been the case many times before, that it won't be recent immigrants who have committed these attacks. They are citizens of the countries that they attacked. American, British, French, these people had a right to be here and would have remained regardless of what bans you put in place. So, to veer off this rhetoric at the moment and this hatred, I'm just trying to think, trying to keep my head together and just say, I think make an appeal for calm and just try and hope that people understand. People understand that these these things, unfortunately, are a fact in modern life now. That doesn't mean, again, that we accept them, but we have to try other ways. Because bannings, hatreds, attacks, they don't work. They don't work, and we're just setting ourselves... I think we would just be setting ourselves up for another one if we allowed these things to continue. <laughs> anyway, that's just my thoughts, guys. Um, please keep up the show. Please keep up the good work. Really enjoying your content so far. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Voice was a little longer than mm-hmm. normal, but I I wanted to play it because of the fact that Jonathan really covered everything that I would have said. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if he had premonitions or if they were getting reports early, but I believe we got the voicemail via email prior to them announcing that it wasn't a refugee or someone who sneaked into the country. Mm-hmm. That he was a citizen. He was homegrown he was born right in england Mm -hmm. so donald trump's muslim ban that's another topic that we need to get to is that another court has struck it down or another court has allowed the ban to be halted it's a goofy way to say it but that's what happened and uh look there is so much nuance and a a delicate nature with which we should deal with this issue because innocent human beings get dragged into this. Innocent Muslims who didn't have anything to do with the horrific events at the concert in Manchester. And when you malign the entire faith as contributing to the killing, the mass slaughter of individuals, you drag them in. Are there problems with Islam? You're goddamn right. Just as there are problems with Christianity. Just as there are problems with Judaism. Just as there are problems with Buddhism. Organized religion is a problem. But they're all a problem. It's not that Islam is singularly bad. Well, and I think the problem occurs when people start attacking the people 
in the faith, right? Rather than the ideas. Exactly right. And and what needs to happen is the ideas can be criticized, but you can't drag the the people into it. Right? Unless they are party. Yeah. To to the acts. Right. And, and and most of them are not. The vast majority are not. Mm-hmm. So uh, every time these things happen, I think we need to take a step back and reevaluate. And hopefully, look, hopefully we are growing as a community, as a collective, and becoming more aware of our knee-jerk anger and uh, reaction to want vengeance and justice. Not that those things aren't important. We don't need those because we do need, I believe, vengeance and justice. But we need to aim it, direct that energy in the correct direction. So... Jonathan, thank you for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. I will say that they, the, the, the law enforcement officials in England have, have jumped on the goddamn stick and have immediately arrested like seven or eight people relative to this attack. And they are fanning out and finding out that this wasn't some lone nut job. This was someone who was ISIS trained, likely in Syria, Here's a little package on what has gone on so far. There is breaking news on several fronts. The raid's underway after the terror attack at a concert. Tonight, the bomber, what we've learned, and was his brother about to bomb again? Heavily armed police teams raiding several sites around Manchester today, now in a race to uncover a hidden network. And tonight, we have new images of pieces of the bomb itself and what they reveal. We begin with ABC's chief foreign correspondent, Terry Moran, in Manchester. In the terrible moment, the bomb went off. Oh, my God. It left behind, amid the carnage and fear, clues to how it was made and by whom. Tonight, those crime scene photos obtained by the New York Times and posted on their website reveal the bomb's sophisticated design. The possible detonator bloodied carried in the suspect's left hand, investigators believe, with a small circuit board soldered inside and a protruding red wire. A mangled 12-volt battery, more powerful than those seen in most suicide bombs. Nuts and screws used as deadly shrapnel. And part of the blue Caramore backpack the bomb was carried in. Investigators now concluding that this bomber was no lone wolf. I think it's very clear that this is uh, a network that we are investigating. Whoa! This morning, police stormed a building in central Manchester, targeting a third-floor apartment. Neighbors told us they thought it was being rented as an Airbnb unit. And you, you can't know who everybody is. While we were there, police have been at this location for about three hours, and all of a sudden they've tackled this man here. They're making some kind of arrest. We don't know if it's related to the attack or not, but things happen very fast here. It turned out a police officer had simply been trying to break up a fight. And tonight, police say all the victims have now been identified, stilling the faint last hopes of so many, like Charlotte Campbell, who desperately sought her 15-year-old girl, Olivia. Olivia, mommy loves you. Please just phone me and come home, please. Tonight, Olivia, too, among the dead. Just heartbreaking for Charlotte, who the world watched in that tearful plea. Terry Moran with us tonight from Manchester. And Terry, police in that city now searching for any possible accomplices. And you were telling us they're also preparing for a huge public event this weekend. 
They are, David, even as the memorial here grows. The Great Manchester Run and City Games, which includes Europe's largest 10K run, 35,000 runners last year, will go forward this weekend, authorities say, safely. David? Terry Moran leading us off tonight. Terry, our thanks to you. So clearly they got out there and got the job done pretty goddamn quickly. So hats off to them. I think any time you have intelligence agencies um, pairing with law enforcement, especially when there is personal motivation involved, things get done pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, they arrested the brother in Libya, like they said. It's it's uh, very quickly getting uh, resolved. Yeah. So again, thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate the communication. It's always good having someone who's somewhat on the ground. I mean, you're getting the pulse of what's what what the motion is because you're there and you're you're maybe not directly involved in party to the attack, but certainly certainly for instance, not when 9/11 happened, I would have had a better sense of of what the what the emotions were of Americans than someone who was outside the country. So we appreciate having that insight. Thanks a lot. All right, let's let's move on to another voicemail and uh Betsy DeVos. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Andrew from New Orleans. Um, I just got finished watching the Betsy DeVos hearing uh, defending the public education budget. And I don't know if if maybe you can kind of one of you guys can clarify this for me. But I have a problem with uh, her saying that through these vouchers, you can bring your child, you can have your child go to a, uh, a private school with this public education money. I have the main reason why I had this problem with that is that there is no real accountability uh, for a private school to, uh, to give, you know, they just, they're getting this money and they're free and clear of any type of uh, scrutiny or standard or anything of that nature uh, to justify you, you know, using that voucher to, you know, uh, uh, to attend schools that are $10,000, $20,000 to go a year to go to. Um, it's just me. Uh, I don't know what y'all think, but I would love to hear it. Uh, I love the show, of course, and, uh, enjoy the conversation. Peace. Well, I'm a huge Betsy DeVos fan, (laughs) so... I don't really appreciate the criticism. Brittany has a giant poster, life-size poster of of Skeletor's head. I, I keep a cardboard cutout by my bed. Yeah. Yeah. Cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. I was just trying to think of something funny, but nothing came. Oh. It's early in the morning, Brittany Page. It is early. Yeah. It's 10 a.m. <laughs> So anyway, it's not quite 10 a.m. Goddamn. Uh, Andrew. Eight minutes away. I struggle with this one. This is not one that I'm I'm settled on. It does rub me the wrong way when public monies, public funds are being taken out of the public system and given to private institutions. Um, however, I believe parents should have choice in schools. If their public school isn't getting the job done, and so many of our public schools aren't getting the goddamn job done, they're doing a disservice to the children. The public school I went to, for instance, was terrible. 
the only in high school the only foreign language that was offered by my high school was French. One single foreign language. I had English teachers who spoke regularly with double negatives. And I seen this. I seen that. That seems really It seems very helpful. northern Idaho is what it seems like. Uh-huh. So I would have probably benefited from a situation where I was able to go outside and have my parents have a voucher. For me, the problem lies in this weird for-profit system where money gets a hold of people and it clouds their judgment and it clouds their motivations relative to actually educating children. So we need to come up with some kind of a hybrid solution where you're, you're taking religion out of the goddamn equation and you're taking people's predilection toward profit-making out of the situation as well. We also, I think, need to hold our schools accountable relative to performance. There shouldn't be school districts where if you live on Main Street, you have to go to the school that is assigned to your address. You should be able to take your kid anywhere. And so the good schools will fill up with students and the bad schools will wilt and die on the vine. There has to be some kind of competition system set up because so many schools, teachers act like fucking DMV employees. They don't give a shit because they've got their job and that's not the way it should be. We should be rooting out those teachers who don't give a shit about their job and get them the fuck out of the profession. For the sake of our children, for the sake of their educations, for the sake of their futures. You got a little soapboxy. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I had but to kind of sit back. Andrew, I don't have the solutions. I don't know. But there are serious problems that do need to be dealt with that smarter people than me are in charge of solving. Betsy DeVos not being one of them. <laughs> now, when we get to Dollamocracy, we got a, a couple follow-up stories, I believe. I'm getting the blank stare from Brittany. We do but, have follow-up. But our first story in Dollamocracy deals again with Betsy DeVos. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about her. With a little clip? With a little clip. So thank you for the voicemail. We appreciate it both, you guys. If you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Do we have any emails, Brittany Page? We do not. We do not. But we have follow-up. But we do have follow-up. Yeah. So we talked about... Proceed, lady. Yeah, we talked about the most likely to be awards. Oh, that's right. They were most likely to... What was it? Not, I, pay, I, not pay attention. Not pay attention. I was thinking of your brother, which was in prison. Most likely to go to jail. Go to jail. Not prison. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's better. <laughs> well, when you go to jail, you are imprisoned. So yeah, but jail seems like more temporary. Tomato, tomato. Okay, your face, your ass. Um, what? Okay, so <laughs> a seventh grader. This is a new story. One of these most likely to be stories coming out, and I'm really glad that these are in the news because this needs to stop. They're fucking appalling. Okay, so a seventh grader at Lance Corporal Anthony Aguirre Junior High School in Houston. Wow. Simple as that. <laughs> got the 
most likely to become a terrorist award. God damn. I mean, seriously. It's not a joke. It's literally, they printed it on a certificate and handed it to the student. So they had all kinds of time to realize this is a bad idea. Yeah. While they're while they're designing their certificate, while they're pr- printing the certificate, hell, while they're coming up with what to print and and do on the certificate. And while they're typing the nine letters to write terrorist, each key, they had the time to think, am I really do I want to do this? This might be a bad idea. Yeah. And it ended up the parents not real happy. Right. So this student said that the teacher was giving out mock awards to her advanced learning class because this student is in advanced classes. Seventh grader. Again, the teacher told them that they were supposed to be funny, but they, quote unquote, might hurt students feelings. Wow. So they they understood even that going in. Yeah. What, did they give the ugly kid most likely to never get laid? I mean, what? I, I, I don't know. So God damn. this student brought it home and her mom said, what the hell is this? Right. She said she couldn't believe it. She, she had to read it several times and couldn't believe that her child is bringing home a certificate. Again, a printed certificate that reads at the top most likely to be a terrorist with the student's name. So let me ask you, this is. How bad is it, though? What Was the kid Middle Eastern in, in, in heritage? I don't believe so. Her, her name is Lizeth Villanueva. Okay. So, so a brown person, you're naming them the terrorist. Still, I mean, it's... Still not good. They didn't go as far as to, you know, it wasn't Ahmed... Uh, I can't think of a Middle Eastern... Like Mohammed. It wasn't something like that. Uh-huh. I'm not real versed on Middle Eastern last names, Brittany Page. Yeah. So they tweeted an apology statement. Who who did? The school or the teacher? The school. At, at Aguirre Bulldogs. <laughs> and they said the Aguirre administration would like to first of all apologize for the insensitive and offensive fake mock awards that were given to students after the official school awards ceremony had concluded. As principal, I want to assure all students, parents, and community members that these award statements and ideals are not representative of the Aguirre vision, mission, and educational goals for its students. An investigation will be launched into these events. It seems to me like it's probably one of those situations where you've got a younger teacher who's like chummy, buddy-buddy with these kids. I'm just speculating here. But also fancies themselves a funny guy. And so, oh, these are going to be real funny. They might hurt your feelings, but that's where you should stop it. That's not your fucking job. Yeah, what is the teacher like Guy Fieri? I mean, this isn't, we don't, <laughs> no. These are seventh graders. Is he taking them to fucking Flavortown, I, Brittany Page? I, what you're describing <laughs> seems so strange that an adult who's teaching students yeah. would, no, it's not funny. And what is going, this is, this has been in the news. These problematic, most likely to be awards has been, I almost wonder if the teacher wanted to lose their job. I don't know if it's a. I think they just got disciplined, which I don't know if they should lose their job over this. Well, whatever. I don't know if they wanted, 
I think they wanted this attention yeah. because this has been in the news. You know that doing this, I mean, you have to know that doing this. You have to know. Or maybe you never read the news. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like a problem. Right. You know, it's definitely a problem. All right. Hey, look, before we move on, I again want to thank our sponsor, Suji's Korean Cuisine, for taking part, supporting the show. And we would love to encourage you to go out there to your local Super Target. I think that's what they're called. H-E-B's and Costco's in the southeast of the United States and pick up the products that they sell. Yeah, they spent nearly two years developing the tastiest and most authentically Korean flavors while also keeping their products clean, meaning no added MSG and no preservatives. Listen, we have only had the pleasure of tasting the sauces and their savory beef, or what they call bulgogi in Korea, which is a centuries-own family tradition of maintaining lean meat in a blend of soy, pear puree, vinegar, and sesame oil for a perfect blend of sweet and tangy flavors. And let me tell you, we, like I said, we subsisted on Korean tacos for about a week and a half. And it's really, really good. You can also put it over rice, make a little bowl. Yeah, it's awesome. But again, you can find the the food in the refrigerated aisle at Target's, HEB, and Costco's in the Southeast. And you can also get Suji's sauces on Amazon. Suji's Korean cuisine. Korean inspired, made in the USA. And other support for the show is provided by you guys, our Patreon and PayPal family. And we cannot thank you guys enough We are growing closer and closer. Can you grow closer? We are getting closer and closer to that mark that we need to get to for a third episode a week, which is making Brittany really, really happy. I am excited. Yeah. I wasn't being sarcastic. Oh, okay. We're really looking forward to it. It's hard to tell. Calm down over there with all the anger, vitriol. Brittany Page, most likely to be a terrorist, everybody. (laughs) Who are our latest patrons? Justin. Justin. And Sheila. Sheila. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, listen, we're today, just this evening, we're going to do a Patreon call. Yeah. uh, A Google Hangout Mm -hmm. with certain patrons. And tomorrow morning... What are you laughing about? Well, it just you made it sound very exclusive. I think we should explain what the certain. Well, there's there are levels. Yeah, the levels, the yeah. appropriate levels of Patreon support. No, you really explained it. Now it's all crystal clear. <laughs> Brittany Page, the explainer. Oh. Dilemocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, as promised, Betsy DeVos, she testified before a House committee, and one particular member, Representative Clark from Massachusetts, took her to task about some very problematic points of view that Betsy DeVos has relative to discrimination, both race-based discrimination, and then obviously, because she's a fundamentalist uh, evangelical Christian, discrimination based on sexual orientation and it's actually kind of narrow because i have one minute left and and i i would like to refer back to your um question about the the comment about those i'm sure you would i want i want to ask particularly 
Is there a line for you on state flexibility? You are the backstop for students and their right to access a quality education. Would you, in this case, say we are going to overrule and you cannot discriminate, whether it be on sexual orientation, race, special needs, in our voucher programs? Will that be a guarantee from you for our students? Now, that seems like it would be an easy answer. You're the backstop. You're the secretary of education. Are you going to put a policy in place that says, listen, no form of discrimination will be allowed? Because there was recently a case where a charter charter school put in rules that if there were same-sex activities happening in the household, you would not be allowed to be admitted to the school. Mm-hmm. So she's asking... Would you put, was there a line in the sand where, nope, this is not going to be allowed. You will not be allowed to operate as a charter school if you allow discriminatory behavior based on race or sexual orientation to take place. That's an easy question. The answer is no. Absolutely not. There are certain high watermarks, low watermarks. Watermarks, Brittany. They're watermarks. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are certain, look. We, as a civilized society, we established these a long time ago. The civil rights movement in America, black Americans stuck their necks out and did the hard work to create an environment of equality in this nation. And they they set the, the groundwork for the LGBT community. And this goes for education as well. So the answer is easy. The answer is yes. Th- that is the answer. Let's listen to what Betsy DeVos has to say about it. For states who have programs that allow for parents to make choices, they set up the rules around that. So that's a and no. That, Do you see is- any circumstance where the Federal Department of Education under your leadership would say that a school was not qualified? What if they said we are not accepting African-American students, but that was okay with the state? Does the state trump? Do you see any situation where you would step in? Well, again. Again, the answer should be yes. No way would we allow racial discrimination in a charter school, even if the state said it was okay. It's an easy, easy fucking answer, and she does not answer it. I think the the uh, Office of Civil Rights and our Title IX protections are broadly a- applicable across the board. But when it comes to parents making choices on behalf this of their students... This isn't about parents making choices. This is about use of federal dollars. Is there any situation... Would you say to Indiana that school cannot discriminate against LGBT students if you want to receive federal dollars? Or would you say the state has the flexibility in this situation? I believe states yes or no. continue to have flexibility in putting so, together so programs. Just so if I understand your testimony, I want to make sure I get this right. There is no situation of discrimination or exclusion that if a state approved it for its voucher program, that you would step in and say that's not how we're going to use our federal dollars. There's no situation if the state approved it that you would put the state flexibility over our students. Is that your testimony? I think, 
I think a hypothetical in this case. It's is not a hypothetical. This is a real school applying lady, for that receives lady's dollars. Your time has expired, but I'm going to allow the secretary to answer. I go back to the the bottom line is we believe that parents are the best equipped to make choices for their children's schooling and education decisions, and too many children today are trapped in schools that don't work for them. We have to do something different. We have to do something different than continuing a top-down, one-size-fits-all approach, and that is the focus, and states and local communities are best equipped to make these decisions and framework on behalf of their I, I am shocked that you cannot come up with one example of discrimination that you would stand up for students. I'm required to answer. We'll go now to the gentleman from Idaho, Mr. Simpson. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm sorry I had to step out. So basically, she's refusing to rule out giving funds to schools that discriminate. That's right. She she's straight out leaving open that. That's right. Possibility. She's straight up refusing to shut them the goddamn down, which is what should happen. If you're a school that is refusing to to admit black students because of the color of their skin, you don't get to be a school in these United States. And the same should be said for a school that doesn't allow children who are gay or lesbian. Or that their parents are gay or lesbian. That's what happened with the school in Indiana. Home of Mike Pence, by the way. I'm, I was really hoping, and I knew it wasn't going to happen when I watched this clip, but I was really hoping that Congresswoman Clark would have said that, you know what, Betsy DeVos, I am appalled. You are a menace, and I am appalled that the Senate saw fit to confirm you for your position because you are an abject failure as secretary of education. This is the Trump administration. I'm she's allowing billions of dollars to be cut from her department with no objections because she doesn't believe the department of education at a federal level should exist. Yeah, she also, this education budget calls for cutting about $9, nine billion, or 13% of the department's funding from about 20 programs, including Special Olympics for students with disabilities, after-school programs for low-income students, and programs for gifted students. Unbelievable. So she's singularly focused on one thing. Dismantling. And, the department she she oversees. And when she's in these these sessions where people are asking her questions, she seems to be immune from criticism. She is not flustered by these questions. She's able to just remain. Well, it's because she's worth $5.1 billion. That's... For the record... The, the the point one billion dollars is a hundred million dollars. So even if she was just worth point one, and you took away the other five billion, that's still a hundred million dollars. It's also disturbing to me that she is in control of the budget and getting rid of money for after school programs for low income students. Yeah, someone who has never had to 
be involved in that or worry about that. Silver spoon. Is making that decision. Well, we're, we're seeing this now with the budget. That it is geared toward the absolute richest citizens in the United States. And they are pulling out the rug from under the poorest. This is a billionaire's club, the Donald Trump administration. They don't give two shits about regular people and even poor people. Well, it's it's weird because you have the Democrats who are saying, listen, this education budget is not in the best interest of students and where the country is headed. This is not going to be good for that. And then you have Republicans saying, well, no, it is good because it's going to reduce federal intervention in education. And that's what our priority is. Yeah. So it's really just a difference of priority, like it always is. Right. And Republicans want less federal intervention in education. Yeah. So let's skip. Let's start talking about the budget. I was going to take some time and talk about this dust up with the Guardian reporter. Maybe we'll get to that after. And this uh, Gian, Gianforte in the Montana special election. He won, by the way, which is a fucking appalling situation. But uh, let's get to the budget. Because we're on a theme here with the, the Trump administration filled with a bunch of knuckleheads who have a different viewpoint about Matters that are important, like, for instance, Ben Carson this week said that poverty, it's not a financial condition like the rest of the world views it. It's a state of mind, Brittany Page. I think poverty to a large extent is also a state of mind. You, you has the right mindset. You can take everything from them and put them on the street. And I guarantee you, in a little while, they'll be right back up there. And you take somebody with the wrong mindset, you can give them everything in the world. They'll work their way back down to the bottom. They'll work their way back down to the bottom. So I cannot tell you how much this infuriates me. In fact, I've been trying not to think about it because it makes me so angry. Because he went on Sirius XM to talk about this and has a large audience for this and people people believe this even people who are in poverty believe this oh yeah maybe more so them and this is how people get taken advantage of by people like tony robbins yeah okay, i'm not going to get into that but it is insulting to tell someone who comes from a, a disadvantaged background, that it's all them. Yeah, it, it's, it's only your mindset. No. If only you had a positive attitude. If only you had a winner's mentality, you'd be rich. Yeah, it's, it, it's so ridiculous. Well, listen, the tapestry and the complexity of factors that go into whether someone is overwhelmingly financially successful or not, isn't it doesn't boil down to just walking on coals and going to a fucking seminar to teach you how to have a good attitude. Right. Well, it's also taking everything from them and he guarantees they'll be back on top. Well, let's try it with uh, the Trump family. Right. The guy who reads it at fourth grade level. I'm sure he would just be right at the top of the stratosphere economically if you took everything away. He's discounting so many factors that go into escaping the cycle of poverty, particularly luck, by the way. Yeah. Who you know. Right. 
it's connections, <laughs> it's name, it's the fact that Donald Trump got millions of dollars in a loan. And then when, when his dad died in the 90s, was given $300 million. What neighborhood you live in. Yeah. What school you go to. All of that, connect. it's who you're connected to at the time. If you have a teacher that cares about you. Right. If you're able to go to after school programs and you find an adult who invests time in you. No, Brittany. It's whether or not you think positively. That's all. It's all about mustard seed. If a man looks on a mountain and believes in his heart that it'll move, well, it's going to move. Because that's what Ben Carson believes. And it's these problematic ideas about wealth about the haves and the have-nots in our society that have created this budget that I'm going to let Mick Mulvaney, who's the White House budget office guy, explain and listen to the language that he uses. This is the president's FY 2018 budget. Um, the name on the cover is the new foundation for American greatness. Okay. Um, as I read through it over the weekend, as I did, um, in fact, we've been working on this since before, uh, before I actually got here, it, it struck me that the title should have been different, that the title should have been uh, a taxpayer first budget, um, because that's what this is. Um, and as I was trying to reconcile those two things, well, it's called the New Foundation for American Greatness, but I wanted to call it the taxpayer uh, first budget. It struck me that that was what was really new, or one of the things that was new about this budget. Um, that we looked at this budget through the eyes of the people who were actually paying the bills. I think for years and years, uh, we've simply looked at a budget in terms of the folks who are on the, the back end of the programs, the recipients of, of the taxpayer money, and we haven't spent nearly enough time focusing our attention on the people who pay the taxes. Um, I got a couple questions yesterday. I know I will today about compassion. <laughs> compassion needs to be on both sides of that equation. Yes, you have to have compassion for folks who are receiving the federal funds, but also you have to have compassion for the folks who are paying it. And that is one of the things that is new uh, about this president's budget. Uh, what else is new? It's new in that it balances uh, for the first time in at least 10 years. I'm going to cut him off there. It goes for another minute and a half or so, but... No, it does not. Yeah, it does not, because you're a fucking idiot who used a simple arithmetic error to make a $2 trillion mistake, you fucking mook. So let's explain that. So the budget assumes that faster economic growth will help pay for the tax cuts. But you can't guarantee whether there'll be growth or not. But then the budget also says that that same growth will help balance the budget. So essentially what happened was in the budget... They're counting that same $2 trillion twice. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Morons. Not, not, not e great. Either that or they're fucking liars. I lean toward liar. Maybe they're morons who lie, Brittany Page. But let's talk about this. First, I, I got a package I'll play on the budget. And then I want to talk about some, some, some specific numbers. On his campaign's first day, save Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security without cuts. Have to do it. President Trump promised he would protect the safety net. But his first budget, released today, wouldn't do that. Instead, making deep cuts over the next decade. $72 billion from Social Security disability insurance. And at least $610 billion from Medicaid. The cuts could devastate Americans like Adrian Gunter, who has multiple sclerosis. My Medicaid coverage takes the burden away from endless medical bills. The administration's defense. 
we're not going to measure compassion by the amount of money that we spend, but by the number of people that we help. President Trump's $4.1 trillion plan would make good on a series of other promises, including infrastructure, paid parental leave, defense, and border security, including a $1.6 billion down payment for the border wall. President Trump says he can do all that, cut taxes, and still balance the budget in 10 years. But that assumes the economy will grow even faster than it did in the booming 1990s. The plan landed today in Congress with a thud. Some in the GOP echoing the number two Senate Republican leader, John Cornyn, who warned it could be dead on arrival. Is it dead on arrival? Yes. Is this budget dead on arrival? I don't think I've served in Congress ever where somebody didn't say that about a president's budget. The president's budget is going to set the contours for Republicans to consider, but at the end of the day, it's the Republicans in Congress who are going to write the heart and guts of this budget. Casey Hunt, NBC News, the Capitol. So there are some super insensitive, some say very cruel aspects of this budget, and I want to talk about them. One, he's talking about being fair or cruelty to both the the taxpayer and people who receive some of these benefits. Well, they're they're hurting taxpayers in this budget by a $23 billion tax credit that they are damaging. The earned income tax credit is something for low-income working people. Some of you out there may take part in this, may benefit from the earned in- income tax credit. Well, it's, there's less money that are, that's going to be focused on that. $23 billion less. The Children's Health Insurance Program, they're dinging that by $3.5 billion. Food stamps, $200 billion. 40 million people take part in food stamps. Children, through their parents, are the beneficiaries of the food stamp program. SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Or did you think I was just saying, oh, SNAP? (laughs) I did not think that. (laughs) Listen, that's, that's $200 billion. That's, come on. That's big money. According to reports, the proposed budget is also going to invest $277 million in abstinence-only education. Wow. So I'm confused because it doesn't work. No, it's been proven not to work. Pretty clear. It's a lot of money invested in something that doesn't work. I'm also confused by Mick Mulvaney saying that well, yeah, we need to have compassion for people that are receiving government assistance, but we also need to have compassion for the people that are paying into the system to provide that government assistance. Okay, when are you going to be providing that compassion for the people that are getting government assistance? Because I'm, right. I'm waiting for that. I, I don't hear any of that. Well, he said that we're not going to measure our success by the amount of money that we spend, but by the number of people that we help. So if before we were giving all these families that were that qualified, we were giving them 500 bucks a month, but now we're going to spend half as much and we're going we're gonna to be able to help 10 times the families because we're only giving them a dollar a month. Fuck you, Mick Mulvaney. Your math doesn't add up. Also, is he defining 
the number of people that they're going to help by also the rich people that are getting tax cuts? Are those, are those people included in the helping? Well, there's the rub. Again, no pun intended as you scratch your leg incessantly over I'm there. I'm not doing that. Is this tax cut that they're proposing disproportionately helps the richest in America and hurts middle class and below. So when he's talking about having compassion, he's talking about having compassion for people who don't need the fucking help. A progressive tax plan has been something that has worked since Eisenhower, a Republican. Even Ronald Reagan taxed the rich at a higher rate than the middle class and the poor. But this administration is run by billionaires. Unlike history has ever seen, this particular administration is run by the wildly rich among us. And they are setting course toward relief for exceedingly wealthy people who don't need fucking relief. It's disgusting. Well, Donald Trump also said on the campaign trail that he would not cut Medicaid. Yeah, that over he would, and over and over. That he would not do that, and he is doing that. But, but to the tune of $800 billion, almost a trillion-dollar cut in Medicaid. Yeah, so he ran on this platform of, I'm not a politician. Right. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm shooting you straight. I'm not a politician. Yeah. Come on. Right. A businessman. You're just like a politician. You're saying what you need to say to make to get the deal done. And you're saying what you need to say to get elected. It's all the same. Then you're backing out. Yeah, it's all the same. Medicaid helps 77 million low income people get health insurance for health care. It's not health insurance. They're getting paid. It's government. It's single payer. 70, almost 100 million. Almost a third of the United States benefits from Medicaid. And they're, they're going to cut it by almost a trillion fucking dollars. The, the fact, tell, me, tell me how that's compassioned, Mick Mulvaney. The fact is, though, that this budget still needs to pass Congress. That is right. So it's not official. It's just... John McCain said this is dead on arrival. It's this is proposed. Yeah. Yeah. And people are not a fan of it. So. Well, we need to rally the troops and get ready to make some phone calls to our congressmen and senators because this needs to be put to bed. This needs to be adjusted. It needs to be done away with. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's let's get to this issue with this Guardian reporter, Ben Jacobs and Greg Gianforte. In Montana. Here's an interview. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. It is a reporter approaching a prospective congressman and putting a recorder in his face like they do because that's their goddamn job and asking him a legitimate question about the House's health care bill and the fact that the CBO scored it and said that 23 million people are going to lose their health care based on the Republican health care bill. Well, he freaked out, grabbed him with both hands around his neck and body slammed him to the ground and was subsequently cited for misdemeanor assault for which he has a court date in June. Here's an interview with George Stephanopoulos and that reporter, Ben Jacobs, talking about the incident. 
We're joined now by the reporter at the center of all this, Ben Jacobs. He's coming to us from Livingston, Montana this morning. So we heard the tape. Ben, first things first, how are you feeling? I'm 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 recovering. It's been uh, it's been a shocking uh, sort of stunning 12 hours and I'm still sort of, you know, taking a lot of Advil and uh, trying to get better. Oh, that that's good. I mean, we hope you are feeling a little bit better. Try to walk us through from your perspective. We could we could hear what was going on, couldn't really see it. Walk us through from your perspective what happened with the Congressman. You heard that statement from his office. They're calling you the aggressor here. Yeah, but that uh, I I that that is not a factually correct statement. I approached the congressman. I asked him about the CBO score, um, and he uh, shortly thereafter, uh, you know, sort of repeated the question. He grabbed my report, recorder, and uh, next thing I knew, I'd gone from being uh, vertical to being horizontal and on the floor. And the Fox News reporters who are in the room say he was punching you. Um, yeah, he was on. He was on top of me and and wailing on me. We hear in the tape him saying, I'm sick and tired of this. Had you had any kind of a history with the congressman? Uh, no. I didn't have any history. I'd reported on, been reporting on the, uh, on the race. But uh, I, my understanding is that his issues were based on a report that a colleague of mine had done a couple of weeks ago and had been somehow unhappy or discontented with that, and that had apparently set him off. So did he just snap? He seemed to just snap. It was not um, having asked a number of politicians a number of questions about policy. I've never, never had that reaction to a question about health care reform before. Yeah, well, it would be something of a surprise. We now we, the police have come in. They charge him with a misdemeanor, uh, not a felony assault. Is that good enough for you? Um, the police made the decision. I gave a statement to the police and they, they made, the, made the decision about what to do there. And I'm sure everything they did was appropriate. And will you be taking any further legal action? Um, I haven't even begun to think about it. I still, uh, I still have an election to report on in 12 hours. So that's, that's the first priority. I still have a job to do. So it's possible, but you're not, no final decisions yet? I'm, I'm, I'm still, this has been a whirlwind 12 hours. I still have work to do, and that's not really, uh, not really my top concern of mine. I still have a copy to file. So you're, you're still covering the election. You think this is going to have an impact on the outcome? I, I have no idea. That's not my job. I'm a, I'm a reporter, and whatever happens, happens. And my job is uh, just to report and you know, leave it up to the voters of Montana. Ben Jacobs, thanks for joining us this morning. So I want to get into the witnesses of this. Are we going to play the audio of the body slam? Uh, you want to do that right now? Yeah, let's play it. And, yeah, you and we'll talk it. to you about that later. Yeah, but there's not going to be time. I'm just curious if you okay, have Speak right with now. Shane, please. But you don't... You guys, the last Jesus time you came here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You, the last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. You'd like me to get the hell out of here, I'd also like to call the police. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta leave. He just body slammed me. You gotta leave. So, Greg, unbelievable. Greg Gianforte, the the now United States representative of Montana, right? Because he won his election last night, largely because they say seventy percent of the ballots were already because you can vote by mail in Montana. Seventy percent were already in. 
So that's likely the culprit. So a couple of things. When someone says, hey, you just body slammed me and broke my glasses. If you didn't, your response might be something like, what the hell are you talking about? What? I just threw this book across the room. I didn't touch you. Right. Right. That would be your response. In that in that audio, you can hear Ben Jacobs saying, can I get your guys's names? He's talking to Fox News reporters. Right. So this is the account from a Fox News reporter who witnessed it. Okay. Alicia Acuna. Right. So she says, Faith, Keith, and I arrived early to set up for the interview in a room adjacent to another room where a volunteer barbecue was to take place. As the time for the interview neared, Gianforte came into the room. We exchanged pleasantries and made small talk about restaurants and Bozeman. During that conversation, another man, who we now know is Ben Jacobs of The Guardian, walked into the room with a voice recorder, put it up to Gianforte's face, and began asking if he had a response to the newly released Congressional Budget Office report on the American Health Care Act. Gianforte told him he would talk to him later. Jacobs persisted with his question. Gianforte told him to talk to the press guy, Shane Scanlon. At that point, Gianforte grabbed Jacobs by the neck with both hands and slammed him into the ground behind him. Faith, Keith, and I watched in disbelief as Gianforte then began punching the reporter. As Gianforte moved on top of Jacobs, he began yelling something to the effect of, I'm sick and tired of this. So they gave the exact account of it what we just It matches the audio. It, it exactly matches the audio. Exactly. That he puts the recorder and he says, we'll have to talk about that later. Look, the election's the next day. There's no later. He wants to avoid the topic so it doesn't hurt his returns. But Alicia Cunha there is describing it's it's the greatest hits. It's ex- it is a a a second by second accounting of the recording. Right. So this is which says something about her 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 regular reporting on her on the job because she didn't have the the benefit. They filed this before the audio was released. Yeah. So I want to read the statement that. Greg Gianforti's team oh, released. Oh, goddamn. I'm so glad you have Because it. I want to juxtapose this with the actual audio and then the witness account. Let me do a dick thing. Let me play the audio one more time. Then we'll read the account of the incident from the campaign. And, yeah, you and we'll talk it? to you about that later. Yeah, but there's not going to be time. I'm just curious if okay, you have to Speak right with now. Shane, please. But you don't. You guys, the last Jesus time you came in here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Jesus. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You, the last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. You'd like me to get the hell out of here, I'd also like to call the police. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta so, you just body me. their you statement gotta reads... Tonight, as Greg was giving a separate interview in a private office, the Guardian's Ben Jacobs entered the office without permission, aggressively shoved a recorder in Greg's face, and began asking badgering questions. Jacobs was asked to leave. After asking Jacobs to lower the recorder, Jacobs declined. Greg then attempted to grab the phone that was pushed in his face. Jacobs grabbed Greg's wrist and spun away from Greg, pushing them both to the ground. It's unfortunate that this aggressive behavior from a liberal journalist created this scene at our campaign volunteer barbecue. 
they're saying that Ben Jacobs, the reporter, grabbed the wrist of Greg Gianforte. What? And then they it, spun around, they had a little dance, and fell to the ground. What? No. It doesn't even make sense. Right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't match make sense the audio. At all. at all. And also, I was reading with emphasis on certain words, because the way that they're trying to paint this... It's like a letter from the Church of Scientology, where they <laughs> yeah. try to defame the other party. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the words that they're using are trying to make Ben Jacobs seem like this aggressive... He came in, he's like, no, you're going to answer this. You're going to do it now. I'm a liberal journalist. Right. Well, listen, Ben Jacobs, and I'm not saying this pejoratively, but he's a little nerd turd. He's not a physically imposing man. He's a a slight Guardian newspaper reporter. He's he's not some fucking ninja. He's a journalist. No, he is Jason Bourne. And (laughs) he was taking care of biz in that room. But I God also damn. I also love them trying to make it a partisan issue, right? They were trying right. to ratchet up support from the base, from Republicans, by saying this liberal journalist did this, now get him. Right. Right? That's the whole point of that statement. Right. Well, this has been... I'm shocked that incidents like this haven't happened more often with Donald Trump. And I know the, the, the narrative from, like, Ben Ferguson, that ding-dong on CNN... And so many others are saying, well, you can't, you can't tie Donald Trump to this. You sure as fuck can. When he says, look, I hate the press. I mean, I wouldn't kill them, but trust me, I hate them. That engenders beyond contempt. That engenders violence. Yeah. Physical violence against them. I wouldn't kill them, but he's letting you know. I, I hate them almost to the level that I would kill them, but not but not quite. Yeah, so a lot of you may not know a lot about Greg Gianforte, so I want to let you know what his view on retirement is. Oh, my God. <laughs> because well, let, let me, this let me, will tell you all that you need on. to know. Let me paint a little bit of a picture. One, he is a new Earth creationist. He believes the Earth is fewer than 10,000 years old. He, well, I guess that's all you need to know. Go ahead, Brittany. Read a statement on retirement. Well... Hold on. I want to say something because I'm trying to figure out how old he is right now. Okay. He's 56 years old. Right. He's a 56-year-old man who grabbed another man by the neck with both hands and body slammed him. In addition to that... Because he was asked a question. These are his views on retirement. Quote, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about retirement, and yet it's been accepted as a concept in our culture today. Nowhere does it say, well, he was a good and faithful servant, so he went to the beach. It doesn't say that anywhere. The example I think of is Noah. How old was Noah when he built the ark? 600. (laughs) He wasn't like cashing social security checks. He wasn't hanging out. He was working. So I think we have an obligation to work. The role we have in work may change over time, but the concept of retirement is not biblical. Well, and you know, the U.S. government, we we structure our policies relative to to benefits and entitlements based on the Bible, Brittany Page. Yes. I yeah. mean, any elected representative should be asking that question first. Well, is this biblical, sir? Right. Also, Noah was not 950 when he died, you fucking idiot. Noah was never 600 years old. Science. We, we know we're not, our mortality is, in, is, is decreasing. We are increasing our lifespan as we go. 
We're, we're not getting younger. We're not, oh, we used to die at 1,000 years old, but now... We're we're dying at a hundred or eighty eight. Well, I think I think he saw that documentary <laughs> with Russell Crowe, and it must have had a really powerful impact. <laughs> He's also the documentary. I get it, it's funny. He, he also <laughs> what a dick. he also donates millions of dollars to like like Ken Ham type museums. Oh, perfect. Where yeah. they believe dinosaurs and man lived alongside one another, like it's the fucking Flintstones. That's my Dino. That is not a good. Impression. That's how Dino sounded. I don't think so. No? Mm-mm. Huh. Maybe I'll have to drop in some Dino sounds. Please do. I'll do that here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I might forget where I... Let me write the time down. Okay. <laughs> this is falling apart. <laughs> hey. Quickly. It's, it's what happens. So, listen, We let's end it here. Let's do the asshole of today, but let's end it here. We didn't even get a chance to talk about how Jeff Sessions... Not only did he lie on his confirmation questionnaire for the Senate about his contacts with the Russians, it's now being uh, known that he lied on his security clearance form after he was confirmed. He did not include his meetings with the foreign governments, with Russians, on the form. And that Jared Kushner is now officially a subject and focus of the investigation about the contacts with Russia. And, like I said earlier in the show, another court has allowed the ban on the Muslim ban, all kind of double negative type things happening, they have allowed that to stand, so now it looks like the next stop is the Supreme Court of the United States of America. So with all that, it's wrap. It's the asshole of today. The Heritage Academy in Western Maryland. Heritage Academy, Western Maryland. It is a small Christian school. Of course it is. That has banned a pregnant senior from walking at graduation. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The school released a statement and said that the senior, Maddie Runkles, broke the school's rules by engaging in intimate sexual activity. And they said that she's being disciplined. And they said, quote, not because she is pregnant, but because she was immoral. Mm. The best way to love her right now is to hold her accountable for her morality that began this situation. Yeah. Open arms. Loving open arms of Christ, everybody. So this 18-year-old is a 4.0 student. She has attended the school since 2009. And I believe she holds some sort of position in the student government. You know, this is what Jesus did when they brought the whole, the harlot to him. He said, yeah, she needs to be held accountable for her sins and her immorality, Sarah, Sadducees and Pharisees. That's what he said. Oh, no, no, he didn't. He said, those of you without sin cast the first stone. Leave her the fuck alone, assholes. That's what he said. So she is student council president. That's the phrase I was looking for. So she's, she's uh, a model student. A model student. Yeah has a, a bright future ahead of her. She's pregnant. And rather than supporting her... They're they, demonizing her. Yeah, they're shaming her. They're shaming her for all of the students at the school to see. Yeah. 
And And also banning her from a momentous occasion. Yeah, I'll get to the message that sends in a second. But she she she's quoted as saying here, it's because I'm pregnant and you can see the result of my mistake. Yeah. So mistake. So again, they're putting her in this position of talking about her baby like this. Right. And this is supposed to be the the Christian, the evangelical right. No abortion. Right. And every baby's a blessing. And then once you get pregnant, then we're going to shame you even more. So if you if you have an abortion, fuck you, you evil murderer. If you have the baby, fuck you, you evil slut. Yeah, so... It's a, it's a, it's a lose-lose. Yeah, how is this student supposed to proceed? Do what I did. Bail out on that faith. Get the fuck out of there while you can. So the school said... Again, quote, the breach of a standard of abstinence is a grievous choice. Mm. Maddie made a grievous choice. We do believe in forgiveness, but forgiveness does not mean there's no accountability. Well, guess what? She's going to have accountability when she has the baby. Yeah. And then has a kid. That is assured. So. Yeah. What about that? So here's another problem. It's that they don't allow birth control, which would have would have eliminated this entire situation. Because they teach abstinence only. Right. Abstinence only. Had she been educated and allowed and not shamed about taking birth control and having sex, she could have been on birth control, which would have no no pregnancy. Well, listen, this is what they teach their students. Quote, we teach our students about the beauty of marriage and that sex inside of marriage is one of the things that is beautiful about marriage. So get married before you do that. Is what they're saying. God damn. Which is not reality. Which it's not reality. Yeah. So this is a a person who who needs support, and this school seems to be shaming her. And and this is a good student who yeah. is is going to have a good life, but she needs to be supported by the adults around her. Yeah. Rather than shamed and forced into this position where she's calling her soon-to-be kid a mistake in news interviews. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is supposed to be the Christian right that cares most about this issue, right? They are pro-life. And this doesn't seem to be advancing their narrative of pro-life. If this is how people are going to be treated, if this is how Christian girls are going to be treated when they're pregnant... Do you think that encourages them to want to keep their baby? Right. This or are is they am- going to want to cover it up? This is American Christianity. This is not what Christ would have taught. And we have evidence of that in the goddamn Bible of the way he treated the, the people who would have been treated like this. The poor, the desperately poor, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people who weren't well-liked and in high esteem. He opened his arms. He loved them. And if their charge is to be Christ-like, like Paul talked about, then I would hope that you would act Christ-like. They are failing fucking miserably. Well, her graduation is on June 2nd, and she is not hopeful that the school will change their mind. She thinks that they're settled. So I have some advice for her. Wonder Woman comes out that day. Yeah, yeah. Who cares about a graduation? Go see Wonder Woman. Yeah. Getting it done. Mm-hmm. We will be going to see Wonder Woman. At some point. Yeah. yeah. We actually have an interview that day. So at some point, 
that with, day. With the man who's running for Congress against Daryl Issa. Perfect. So we will be doing that. Then we'll be going to see Wonder Woman because Brittany's very excited about that. All right, everybody, we're going to leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do. Listen, go check out the the bonus episode we did with Brittany's thesis advisor, Dr. Douglas Navrick. We want to do a part two, and we might even be able to work out a special, very special guest for that show, including Dr. Navrick, but someone else. So we want to compound some questions for him. If you go toward the end of the interview where we're talking about his theory, um, we get into some, some deeper stuff about how he doesn't believe that morality even exists or you need a god to have objective morality or morality in general. And I, we want to have some voicemails for him, some emails for him. So go listen to that episode so we can schedule a, a part two. Listen, if you want to support the show other than listening and other than rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, go to dollamore.com. On the left-hand side of the page, it says support the show. There you'll find some links. You'll find Patreon and PayPal and a couple others that I don't want to talk about because I don't want our affiliate relationship to go away. Amazon. And... uh we would love your support. We would love you joining the Patreon family, going on the Google Hangout calls with us, and uh, providing, helping provide that bonus content. You guys are why we do what we do, and we enjoy doing it. Thank you, and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Yeah, what is the teacher like, Guy Fieri? I mean, this isn't, we don't... <laughs> No, these are seventh graders. Is he taking them to fucking Flavortown, Brittany Page? <laughs> <laughs>